welcome everybody to the first episode of the Handyman Success Podcast. Uh, the purpose of what we're doing here is really to bring on a successful uh, handyman, home improvement contractors, home service providers that have a proven track record of success in their business and pick their brain about what they're doing, what's working well, what's not working well, all so that you can learn like about business and what they're doing and maybe stuff that you can apply in your own life, your own business, but also to be inspired that, uh, you know, whether you're new, you're in business for a while, you're struggling, you're killing it, um, to hear from fellow business owners um, and, and just be inspired by their story and what they have to say. Uh, my name is Jason Call, uh, one of the co-hosts with Handyman Marketing Pros, and with me is a man who needs no introduction, uh, Alan Lee. All right. So excited to be here for the first uh, Handyman Success Podcast. So excited to be launching this content. Uh, like Jason said, my name is Alan Lee. I own and operate, uh, honestly, Handyman Services here in Sacramento, California. We are going on year number six, and I also own and operate a consulting business called The Handyman Journey. Um, and uh, Jason and I just had this fantastic idea of coming out with this podcast, really with the sole intent of helping people. Uh, so we feel extremely blessed to uh, bring on our first uh, first person that's joining us, Paul Pacheco uh, with PJP Handyman Services. He also does a whole lot more than just that um, down there in Texas. So, so excited to have you, Paul. How are you doing today? Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm doing well. Well, my name is Paul Pacheco. I'm the owner of PJP Handyman and Pro Dryer Van Cleaning. And I'm excited to be part of this and hoping we can pick each other's brain. <laughs> yes. But uh, I've been in business now for three years. So, yeah, I love it. This is I'm finally enjoying what I do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, with, with the intent of really digging into people's business and, and finding out what their secret sauce might be, let's let's go ahead and start. Um, we'll ask you kind of. You know, you told us who you were. Um, tell us how you got started in the handyman business. Okay. Well, I got started getting tired of being in attics every day, doing air conditioning. And I had a lot of air conditioning clients that I would notice they got other issues besides air conditioning in their house. Before you knew it, I'd be like, hey, I can fix item A. Or, hey, did you know I can paint your door? And before you knew it, I started building up all kinds of clientele. And I was making more money doing these little Saturday jobs after work jobs than I was at my union $30 an hour AC job. <laughs> so uh, believe it or not, that inspired me. And I started praying about it, talking to my wife and listening to podcasts. And uh, there's a lot of guys out there and they made it sound like, honestly, it was easy, which it really <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But uh, that's how it happened. I guess I happened on accident. I wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to be the best handyman in the world. That wasn't my goal. My goal was to be an air conditioning tech, but it wore me out. I got tired of air conditioning and I started falling in love with doing home improvement. I've been fixing things since I was a kid. So that's kind of how I grew into that. Like probably you, Alan. That, that's Automotive. awesome. So, so you, so you were, um, in the AC, the HVAC, uh, industry. How long were you in that for before you started your own business? I was in there for eight years and then I worked for General Motors for another seven. Oh, what'd you do for so, General Motors? I did mechanic. I started off washing cars and then I went to oil changes and then I became the certified, the guy that certified all the cars. That's what I did. I, I basically worked on all kinds of used cars. Okay. Okay. And then, so, so um, you talked about 
how business is not necessarily easy. What, what are some of the, the struggles that you had at the very beginning starting? Oh, man. <laughs> or before starting your business too? Doing estimates, running around all day like a chicken without a head, uh, not winning estimates, coming home, going to these estimates and coming home to my wife and saying, hey, honey, I gave out four estimates a day. Well, how did it go? I didn't sell one. <laughs> um, that was a struggle. Another struggle was how do I get my name out there? Um, I had all these referrals from church. Thank God I went to a mega church, uh, Cornerstone, that helped me. But I think that was a big struggle is getting my name out there. And that's when I found Jason. And he kind of helped me explode like Ellen. So awesome. Yeah. Um, man, I, I know uh, we kind of uh, like, was there like anything specific? Because I remember because we worked together for like, I swear it was like two years before you actually like took the leap and like left your job. And you had, you already had like employees working for you and everything. Yeah. Um, and you were still working in HVAC. So was yes. there like, what was there anything like uh, specific or like that kind of made you pull the trigger? Because I felt like you were like probably ready to like start it on your own, like a year ago because you had guys working for you. You were doing really well, like money wise and marketing and everything was working well, but you stuck with your job. Uh, was there like anything like what led you to like finally bite the bullet and uh, do it full time? Well, to be honest, there was three things. I'm a Christian. I prayed and it kind of might sound crazy. I wanted God to specifically tell me to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I waited two years. I never heard that voice. <laughs> so I kind of would give them ultimatums. You know the way we are. I say, God, if you give me enough to quit my job for a year, survive without a job, I'll quit my job. He did that for two years. I had enough income to quit my job for two years. <laughs> so I, I still stayed there. I should have quit two years ago. You're right. Another thing was I asked to keep me busy for two weeks, constantly for two months. In other words, that I have enough work for two weeks or two months straight. That happened too. There were so many things that God kind of kept pushing on me and telling me to quit my job, but I wanted to hear his voice specifically. And unfortunately, he never told me, but he did everything I asked. And then the third reason was my employer made me quit, kind of. Hmm. They knew I had a business because when you're working for an ace company and your phone is blowing off the chain, <laughs> you know what I mean? The guys that I work with would be kind of, hey, you know. You, you really need to decide what you want to do. And that was kind of God working through them, telling me, hey, if this isn't for you, I would have guys tell me that I'm, I'm not a good AC tech or I don't focus. So many, um, it was true. I wasn't the best because I was focused on the business hmm. and I was kind of double-minded. And one day I told my pastor and he's like, well, why don't you just quit? So like, just quit. You got enough money. You got enough income. God's done everything you wanted to. And my boss told me that day, like he said, you need to decide between PJP Handyman or Johnson, the AC company. And that helped me. I went back to my boss the next week. I said, hey, Jared, I really appreciate you. And I prayed about it. I thought about it. And you're right. I'm not fair to my company by taking, not being the best AC tech. And I'm going to quit and focus on my business. And that's been the best decision I made. If anybody wants to start a handyman business, don't do it like me, but I recommend saving up enough money to survive a year. That way, if God forbid Corona happens, which it made my business explode, but some people it didn't, you have enough money and you can relax and go to work and focus on getting clients and being the best handyman mm. contractor. 
I love what you said there, like focus on getting clients. That's something that I I tell guys all the time, especially new businesses. Um, like if you want to do this full time, treat it like a full time job. Whereas, okay, so you're just starting out. Maybe you've got five to 10 hours a week of work. Well, if this is what you want to do full time, then, well, you have like 30 hours left in your week. You need to be doing stuff like activities that will directly bring in work. So, you know, you mentioned out there like getting jobs. So there's so many different things that can be like shiny objects of like, ooh, I should look into this. Ooh, I should look into that. But the question for new like guys that are just getting started that aren't full time looking, how do I get more work? Your time should be spent on what's getting you work uh, directly mm-hmm. until you are booked. Correct. And, and I always respected uh, uh, Paul's hustle. So we're, we're friends on Facebook. And so I see his stuff and I remember, like I still see them every once in a while on the weekends, mm-hmm. you'll be out driving with your dog, putting mm-hmm. up flyers, uh, oh, yeah. handing out business cards. Or, uh, can you like explain like from the start you did, like I saw these posts and then even now I'll see you with like in the car, like you're booked, you're full-time crazy busy, but you're still out there like getting your name out there. I mean, what's, yes. do you like enjoy going out on those drives? Like, is there a reason? Like, I guess if you could just talk about that a little bit, I always just appreciate that hustle that you have there. Yeah. I've learned my number one biz- thing to do in business is to be getting work and marketing. I'm not a marketing guy like Jason, but that needs to be Number one in my head, how do I get more work? How do I keep going? How do I keep getting new clients? Keep building. I want to keep bringing employees on. There's people out there that need work. Unemployment pays, but (laughs) I want to keep hiring people, helping people, changing the youth. I love hiring young guys. So Mm -hmm. I guess that would be it. (laughs) Okay. I love bringing on new people. I enjoy that. You're right. I enjoy taking this cute guy out there looking for work <laughs> to be honest and he sells people yep. he sells i've been to jobs and this guy has helped sold the job they're like oh my god he's so cute it builds a relationship everybody mm. has dogs most people mm. they love dogs especially a dog like this so he helps sell jobs it's good to get him out it shows that i'm normal i'm not some contractor that's driving a awesome million dollar truck i'm just a normal average joe like you i'm a family man like alan i have a baby i want people to trust me when i go in that house Hmm. so i show up with a uniform i show up i tell them hey i'm pjp handyman i could fix a b and c at your house what do you want to do and i leave it like that that's huge that's huge man being transparent is probably one of the biggest things that we could do you know a lot of times we try and puff ourselves up, make ourselves sound better than we are sometimes. But really, we're just we're just average people who have some tools and have some skills, and we want to help people out. You know, we want to bless people with the knowledge that we've been given. So I think that's huge. And I think to go back to your marketing hustle, like I love that. Like we could coin that term, marketing hustle, because mm-hmm. I think the biggest problem that people have when it comes to marketing or finding work. And even with with anything, any struggle that they might have, you you mentioned you have a, you at the beginning you had a struggle with estimates, right? Yes. Any like people tend to get just good enough at something that sustains them, right? Mm. And so the biggest thing, the biggest issue with marketing is when people get just enough work to sustain themselves, then they stop marketing. They feel like okay, I'm good enough. I don't need to go out on Saturday anymore with my dog, and I don't need to put out flyers. Right. Yes. But it, it's that marketing hustle that we need to, need to continue plugging into, because when we like 
same with like, if you were going to spend the night in the woods in the middle of Alaska, right? You're going to gather firewood, but they say when you think you have enough firewood, gather more. Like, because you do not want to run out of firewood in the middle of the night. You're going to freeze to death, right? Just (laughs) like business. If you don't want to run out of, you don't want to run out of clients in the middle of winter because you're going to, your business is going to go down, you know? So I think that's huge. That marketing hustle is the key. I think that's so, so wise that you brought that up. Make that your number one job. You know what I mean? Getting work, marketing, whether it's hiring Jason, but even though I hired Jason and I have a full-time marketing person, I still, when I'm doing a job, I'll make a post. Hey, I just cleaned this dryer vent. Check Mm -hmm. this out. Picture of me and my worker. Boom. It takes me one minute. Mm -hmm. People see that. Make that your job. Keep getting work. Always thinking ahead. I love it. I love it. Like one thing I always train my guys and my consulting um, clientele is that every single job, take a before picture and an after picture because that's, that's marketing right there. You are doing that work. If you're like, there's always, um, there is always unforeseen. Um, what do they call it in, uh, what do they call it in investing? When you, when you have, uh, when you lose out on money that you don't, Anyways, forgot about the term, whatever. It's okay. Um, so there's, there's an unforeseen, um, boy, I'm trying to remember that, that dang terminology. Um, there's, there's an unforeseen cost when you don't do something. So like opportunity like, cost, opportunity cost. Thank there you so go. much, Jason. You okay. Got it. Opportunity cost. Okay. When you go out and do a job, say you make 500 bucks on that job. Great. You made 500 bucks. But if you didn't take a picture before and after, you are missing out on an opportunity cost that is there for you to make more money on that job. If you simply took pictures of that job, posted it on Facebook every single day, Instagram and Facebook every single day, super easy, free thing that everyone can do, like yes. you are maximizing that job to its fullest potential. You are, especially if it's a job you enjoy doing. If it's jobs we don't really enjoy doing I don't really post right. it. Yeah, don't post you know, those, right? <laughs> well, I don't make a lot of money. You know, I think Alan talked about do jobs you make money with. If I make mm-hmm. money off that job, like my new one that I make a lot of money on is removing satellite dishes. That's yeah. a killer money. I charge them 175 bucks. It takes me five minutes, sometimes half an hour. Mm-hmm. In and out. I've been posting those and selling that job like hotcakes. Yep. Mm. yep. Satellite dishes. And no one, not many people use satellite anymore. So they have all these dishes that these ugly dishes that are on the top of their house that they want down. They want Perfect. down. And <laughs> another thing I did, I made it an actual service. People mm. can go on Facebook. I don't know if these people know you can create services on Facebook. They can book an appointment through Facebook. All you have to do is approve it. Now they could book a saddle. I'm the only satellite dish remover in San Antonio. They book that service. I'm doing those all week long. I got Mm -hmm. one tomorrow. You know, you do one of those a day, I'd be happy. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's a good. uh, So I love this topic because PJP Handyman, Paul Pacheco, he has a whole other business that's like a sister company, right? PJP Handyman. So um, if you could talk a bit about pro dryer vent cleaning, like I remember when you were like, we had talked about this, you're like, hey, I want to do just like, I want something for just dryer vents. I make a killing. Like it's it's a great business line. I love, it's easy to train somebody to go do it. Um, So I guess explain like what got you into dryer vent cleaning. Was it that, that initial thing of like, like satellites, like, man, this is really easy and it's really good money. I want to do, I want to open up a whole company for this. Was that kind of what it was for dry vent cleaning? Well, it started becoming my second number one selling uh, thing. Instead of fences, 
I was selling more dryer vents. And I said, hey, if I am a dryer vent cleaning company, they're going to want to hire me better than a handyman. Because unfortunately, a lot of handymen are known as jack of all trades. We do all kinds of stuff. Chuck but it feels, <laughs> yes, you're right. Jack in a truck, whatever, uh, you know, cheap guys don't even have uniform. I said, I'm going to open up a dryer vent cleaning company because there's only 19 in San Antonio at the time. I'm going to rank that baby on the top and I'm going to keep posting my work. I'm going to become the number one dryer vent cleaning company. I'm going to charge a little more, but I'm going to clean it right. And that business, every day, I clean six dryer vents myself. And from that, that's helping me get in the door and s- mm. look at their house, sell siding, sell caulking jobs, sell fences. That $100 dryer vent cleaning, it's, I don't make a ton off the $100. You know, it's 600 bucks a day if I do six. But I make money when I go in there and I sell them other jobs. And I keep my employees working. I get my workers work. So it kind of happened on accident when I talked to Jason. I said, hey, let's open another business. Why not? It's simple in Texas to open a business. Thank God. But that business, to be honest, PJP Handyman's up here in revenue. Pro dryer Event Cleaning every year is climbing and climbing. We are almost level with PJP Handyman in revenue. Mm. And it's just me and a helper every day. It's me and another guy. We work and do dryer events. Yeah, yeah, it's a good service. Alan, Alan talked about, I remember one time he did a video where he, he ran into problems with it. And <laughs> I learned that day from that video, don't ever use that kit that he bought. And I <laughs> bought an expensive kit. I bought a, you know, a professional kit. Right, don't cheap out. <laughs> yeah, don't cheap out. But you know what, Alan? I started just like that, like you. That's the kit I used for three months. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, I'm going to put money aside. Put money aside to buy me a good kit. Now I own five expensive kits for my techs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I guess it happened on accident, but the revenue there is killer. You, do, I do six of those a day. I love cleaning dryer vents. Most of them. Some of them are very dirty. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you, uh, yeah. You said that you had a really horrible one today. Do you mind telling us what went on with that one? Also yeah. A stop story here. Well. I when I go to the certain neighborhoods in California and Texas are have big, huge mansions, mm-hmm. older. When I show up to these neighborhoods, I already know they've never cleaned their dryer vent. <laughs> it's gonna be horrible, dirty. Sometimes they go up and then they have elbows. So even going through those elbows can be difficult. Mm-hmm. My worker was on it was a those flagstone roof, those uh so those are very careful. You got to watch it to work on. So he was up there and we cleaned that thing like four times and I couldn't get it cleaned. <laughs> I was this close to telling the client, sir, I'm going to have to cut your drywall because it's so clogged because you straight up neglected it. Now mm. I'm going to have to cut the drywall. Luckily with my kit, I was able to put a spring on it and get through the, and break it and clean it. Oh, great. But I also cleaned his chimney. See, I offer the chimney and dryer package. I go do my tech, my helper goes and does the dryer. I'm doing the chimney. So instead of making a hundred, we're making 200 in half an hour. That's great. So, and getting so, the, re- and like what you touched on earlier, you're getting the relationship that now they know you, you provided a great service, great customer service, you know, likable, mm-hmm. you know, presentable. And you're the guy that they're going to call for their next home repair 
that, you know, hopefully getting them on a dryer vent cleaning, like calling them up next year at the same time to yes. say it's time for that annual dryer vent cleaning. That's, that's the beauty of that. Like the dryer vent cleaning gets that relationship. You get that annual reoccurring revenue yes. um, and, and the relationship that opens up, like who knows what. Yes. Almost every house I go to, I tell you, if I go do it myself, if I sell stuff that they need and I tell them, I put them in my calendar, see our phones are, are miracle workers or your iPad. Whenever they tell me they want to do it yearly, I'll put it in my calendar the same day and I'll put yearly, Mr. Jones. And I write down in capital letters yearly. Next year, I know to call him. Hey, I'm going to call you and I'm going to do it for 10 bucks cheaper, but I'm going to keep doing it every year. And it's going to be easier. Mm-hmm. You're right. You need, there's so many things you could sell from a dryer vent. Like people don't even do that. You can sell the vents. I have stocked the vents in my garage. If they have the aluminum vents, they don't close all the way. You have to replace that. I put a damper on it that closes. They make a dryer jack for the roof. It's made for dryers. A certain company sells it. And I install roof vents. Those I charge them 350 That takes me an hour. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much dryer vent cleaning opens the doors, mm-hmm. whether it's Alan Lee doing gutters, maybe that's his door opener. You know what I mean? Right. Some guys like me, I don't like to do it because I don't like to get my hands too dirty. So I don't like to clean gutters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and even uh, remodelers. Uh, so I, we get, we work with remodelers and something I tell them and, and they originally find us mostly because it's like, Hey, I, I want to do home repair too. I want to do handyman services. And I tell them that handyman services is like your gateway into the remodeling, the bigger stuff. Cause anyone that needs a home repair at some point, they're going to need remodeling. Um, and those jobs are so much cheaper to get. There's way less competition in the handyman space cost per lead, all that stuff is so low. So why not pay less to get in that relationship, um, still make a profit on your home repair stuff. So there's, you know, it kind of works the same as, as what you've got going with the dryer vent cleaning is just like get in there and do what you can do super efficiently and, you know, open up that relationship. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know one thing that, that I struggled with for a few years and a lot of my clients they currently struggle with, um, is they feel like people, people tend to feel like you can only do the work that people ask you to do, right? They call you out for, you know, say replacing kitchen faucet or replacing the garbage disposal or replacing the toilet. And they just come and they just give them an estimate for that. And that's it. And they leave, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's totally mind blowing when we actually take a different stance as handymen or home service professionals and say, I know what a house needs. I know what, and I, and I, I tend to know what the overlooked items are. So uh, let me partner with you to help you to see what your house needs, right? So we have created a 22-point home maintenance inspection that we, yes. we do at every single estimate. And that really opens the client's eyes to be like, oh, wow, I need to clean my dryer vent? Like, that's a huge one around here. I ask people and they're like, you know, I've lived here for 20 years and I've never had that clean. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah. you're supposed to have, you know, once a year at least, right? Minimum. 30 years. And, um, yeah, it, it's crazy. Today. So. Those are like, or it's just, it's insane, right? You might even look under a kitchen sink and see that their faucet is just leaking like a sieve. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know it because they never go under their kitchen sink, right? Yep. So it's amazing when we as home service providers actually partner with the client and say, hey, I care about you and I want <laughs> to help your house be a house that you love, you know, and these are the, these are the items that I want to take a look at so that, um, you know, see if they need to be repaired or whatnot. So I, I think that's huge that 
sometimes we can get in with a very cheap, low cost item to help us create that partnership with the client. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're not just out there. Well, some people are out there just to make money. But if you're yeah. out there just to make money, you're not going to last very long. It's really about the relationship with the clients, you know, and, and wanting to help them out. So I, I love that you take that stance. I think that's really, really important. Correct. People are dying to give us money, to be honest, to yeah. take care of their house. Mm-hmm. And like I told my worker yesterday, he went and did a dryer vent in and out. And he sent me pictures and I noticed the siding was terribly cracked. You know where the caulking meets? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to caulk the siding. It only lasts three to five years. So mm-hmm. I told him, why didn't you tell her to caulk the siding? Oh, I just want to get out of there. That, right. That happens a lot. With That's one of my struggles with my employees. Yeah. And I know it because I did it at my AC company. Mm-hmm. Get the job done. Go home. But the way you sell that stuff, siding, if the siding is cracked on the side of the house because the caulking is failing, mm-hmm. um, you need to recommend re-caulking it because it's going to help glue down the siding and it's going to save their house from falling apart. <laughs> yep. People love that. Just Definitely. don't be afraid to sell what they need. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Don't be afraid. And 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 I know uh, we, we should get into your, your problem with estimating or the struggle with estimating when you first started because one thing that I see uh, pretty rampant through other handyman services is they're they're afraid to be this sleazy salesman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was one of your main issues with like writing estimates and maybe not selling them or not feeling as comfortable when you first started? Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yes, there's a lot of shows I had. Even to this day, I'm still working my estimate process out. Um, one of the struggles was, what do I charge? How do I figure that out? Because I would always think, okay, a fence post is going to take me four hours. So Mm -hmm. it should take Derek, my employee, the same amount of time. Right. (laughs) I'm happy with 40 bucks an hour. Back then I was. Mm -hmm. So I did 40 times four. That's it. Right. I wouldn't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes I would make money. Sometimes I wouldn't. Um, I, one of the biggest struggles I had, I didn't know how to weed out the tire kickers on the Mm -hmm. phone with the estimate process. I have learned now how to ask questions on the phone with the estimate. Hey, um, okay, you want to get your fence done? How soon do you want to get it done? Oh, Oh. I need it done like next week. Okay, I'm not your guy. I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. Other questions. What's your kind of budget or time frame? You know, how much are you thinking it's going to cost? They might say, oh, it should be 800 bucks when I know it's going to be 2,000. So those now help me say, okay, look, to be honest, it's probably going to run you 1500 to 2000 per side of your house to replace the fence. To be honest, if you're not willing to spend that, we may not be a good fit. Right. So those are all things that I've learned in the process, how to get rid of people that want to waste your time mm-hmm. and take away from my family, take away from my kid, take away from me spending time with my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take their time away or mine. You know what I mean? We may not be a good fit. We might be too expensive. Mm-hmm. Alan Lee may be cheaper. That's just, I mean, we're in different markets. <laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe uh-huh. Alan Lee's cheaper. Maybe you'd call Alan Lee. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So yeah, that's one thing I struggle with and wasting gas, going to all these estimates. Right now, I haven't done an estimate. It's been a while. All my estimates are done through the phone. Mm-hmm. I've been doing fences. I've been doing painting. For long enough, 
whenever, like, let's say I ask Alan, hey, Alan, you want to paint your house? Can you send me a picture of it real quick? Alan Lee sends me four pictures. I tell Alan, hey, it's going to cost you $2,500 to $3,200 to paint your house. Are you good with that? Half the times the clients say, yeah, I'm good with that. Mm. Then we entertain that process sooner and I'll go visit Alan and give him the official estimate. Love it. Love it. And I do charge. If I go to a house, I charge $49. It's called a consultation fee. Mm-hmm. I call that you're taking time away from my family and my baby fee. Yeah. If I'm yep. going to go to your house, we're, we're good at what we've been doing. We've mm-hmm. been around long enough. I want to respect your house and your time. And I'd love you to respect mine. I charge $49. When I tell them I'm going to charge them $49, you know what most of them do? Mm-hmm. They send me pictures right away. There you go. Yeah. I sell the job. I'm doing a $7,000 fence Saturday, 7,100 off four pictures. Wow. I asked him, Hey, do you got the measurement? He told me it was 221 feet. I gave him the price. He signed the contract. We're going Saturday to replace the fence. You know what I mean? It's that's awesome. awesome. So, uh, so that was kind of new for me. Like I I love picking that up like about like the key to saving a lot of your time is asking the right questions. So that was like, that was some gold yes. right there as far as like nailing down what questions you ask, that's going to save your time and make you more profitable. Um, so it kind of ties in with the, probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest problem that I see, and I work with, with marketing, right. But I still identify their problem is pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, that be, because I talk to guys that are they're full time, and they're booked out, but they don't have any money to invest in marketing for further growth, which indicates like their pricing is wrong, right? If you're booked full time and you have no money to invest in your business, then your pricing is not correct. So um, it, if you don't mind like explaining like your pricing journey, you know, like where you started, did you start way too cheap? Did you get too expensive? Have like, are you in a good place right now with your pricing? If you could kind of talk about that a bit. Yeah. In the beginning, I was just charging whatever I felt probably what Alan Lee did, what most people do, right? He just charge, Hey, I'm making $30 an hour. If I charge 60 doing handyman, that's awesome money. But little right. do you realize that's not because yeah. I got to pay Joe by my taxes. I got to pay <laughs> my marketing guy, Jason, that's 5%. I got to pay my web, my guy, lady that does Facebook. I got to pay my phone lady that answers the calls when I can't my emails. So Man, that, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I always see like, what is it? HomeWise that you can look up like the price of stuff. Like, like how much should I charge for this? Yes. But how, what is your market? What is your business? How many people do you have on payroll? Who's doing your social? Like you have a social media gal, an office manager. So, you know, that's never going to give you the price. Like you need mm-hmm. to come up with your price. Yep. Agree. Alan Lee had a good pricing uh, way that he did. I think he has a video too, right? You have well, a I video got, on pricing. I got a little more than that. I got a book coming out. <laughs> there we go. I got I'm a excited book to buy that at the end of June, 2021. And, and th- this is like exactly what I've been focused on this, this, the whole beginning of this year's pricing. And I love, I love some of these conversations because it really comes down to core values and understanding who you are as a business. It starts way beyond before you actually come up with a number. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna kind of geek out a little bit because I absolutely love this topic. But um, you're good. So it 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 happens by establishing your business core values because you need to understand who you are and why you do what you do, right? Um, yep. Like PJP Handyman, right? You want to spend time with your family. 
you want to be a family man. You want to love on people. You want to help people with their homes. So, so when, when you're actually talking about doing a job for someone, it's not a, it's not a case of just, Hey, am I too expensive for you or not? It's a case of, Hey, um, do you respect my core values as a person that wanting Mm -hmm. to spend time with my family, but yet wanting to help you out as a person? Like they, they, there needs to be that mutual respect, you know? And when you actually come up with your core values, it's very quick and very easy to figure out if that client is your ideal client or not. And I think those are the, I love those questions that you brought up. Like how soon do you need this done? And what's your budget? Right. Um, And oftentimes you can also adversely, rather than asking those questions, you can, you can pinpoint a bad client by them asking you those questions too soon. So if they start out and say, Hey, how much are you an hour? Or I need something done this Saturday, right? You you know, instantly that they are more concerned about themselves than they are about my family. Whereas I want someone where I'm concerned about them and their family, and I care about them and their home. I want them to also be concerned about me and my home, you know? Yes. So it goes way deeper than pricing and I absolutely love it. Um, And so, and some people might be like, Hey, Alan, this is, this is, that's BS. Like you can't find clients like that. But no, once you find clients like that, your business is going to be sustained forever. Like it's going to be absolutely phenomenal because you've actually found people that you've connected with on a deeper basis than just, hey, what's your price? You know? Yeah. Um, and like Jason said earlier, that y- you have to know your price because yes. my price is not your price. You know, um, Joe Schmo in Alabama is not your price. Like, you know, like it, a price differs everywhere you go. There are things that you can go to that will help you figure out kind of a base price. Like Jason brought up homewise.com. That's a great thing for here in the U S it doesn't really, doesn't work in Canada. Um, but that helps you kind of get a base information of what your pricing is. Um, but absolutely love that. Sorry. I geeked out a little bit there, but, uh, (laughs) I have a, I have a book, a really in-depth book that's coming out at the end of June, uh, 2021 about pricing and really it's, it breaks down um, gets into your core values so that it'll help you establish your core values, breaks down your pricing of how to establish your hourly need. Um, and then gets into, you know, economic things like demographic and, um, you know, stuff like that and helps you figure out your exact pricing, but absolutely love it. Like that's, that's so cool. Um, love it that you, that you talked about your family, like that, that's huge. Cause I think you have to, you have to stand firm in who you are as a person. You know, and yeah. I see that in you, and I, I really admire that. So that, that's that's important. And you got to listen to a client too. When you're doing that estimate, what do they want? You got to start picking their brain. And once you find that need of why they want to do this fence, why they want to paint their house, focus on that need and watch. You'll sell it. So mm-hmm. I have to make at least fifty percent on every single job. That's mm-hmm. minimum. If Derek goes and does a job, and I pay Derek one hundred and fifty. I need to make at least 300 on that job. That's the way I can, the minimum Mm -hmm. I have to, if not, why have Derek do the work? Derek is my actual employee. Mm -hmm. I might as well keep doing dryer vents because I'm making good money. I don't need them, but that's why I have to charge a certain rate, you know, at Mm -hmm. least 50% markup. Definitely. definitely. That's a minimum. You have to to know your number. Yes, you're right. How much do I need to take care of my house, to take care of my wife, to take care of my family, my bills, my dog, my pampers, whatever I got? Mm-hmm. If not, well, why do work for them? It is nothing worse than losing money on a job. It happens. Or working for free. 
Nobody wants to. And I never, ever make my employees work for free. Mm-hmm. So even yep. when they screw up half the time, unless it's over and over, I'm still going to pay them. So clients okay. should pay us for our time because Alan, you've been doing this for years like me. We're just like computer guys, engineers, just like Jason who works with his, I guess you could say his head. Mm-hmm. We work with our hands mm-hmm. and we've been doing it for a long time. People should pay us for that knowledge that we've gained. Right. I'm always on YouTube. I'm always learning. I'm studying Alan. I'm studying, yeah. you know, I'm listening to your videos. I'm studying other contractors. Mm-hmm. So, so don't so be then, afraid to charge. So that gets into, uh, let's, let's kind of lightly touch on this. Cause I love this in the pricing uh, discussion, um, charging hourly versus charging by the job. Um, have you done both and which one do you currently do? I've tried hourly. I've never had good luck with it because I want to tell you, I'm going to charge 150 an hour or a hundred. If mm-hmm. I were to tell probably even Jason that he would probably flip, flip, what? freak out. <laughs> right. But that's what I feel I'm worth the minimum seven. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain I've tried it's flat rate is way better. I could go yep. install two lights for $69 each, make 130 bucks in an hour. Right. For sure. If I were to tell them 75 an hour, they're probably going to have me doing other stuff. Yeah. I don't like charging hourly. It works for some people. It does not work for us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So on, yeah. that, on that point too, like for me, as, uh, as like, you know, the homeowner, like they're calling you to get something done. They're not calling to have you for, oh, I, I got my handyman coming for three hours. <laughs> no, I, I have a handyman that. coming to fix my fence. Uh, and so in my mind, uh, and this is what I always recommend. I know Alan, I think largely recommends this. And of course it's always case by case with your market and your business, what, what you found works for you, but the, the project in makes sense because they're paying to get something done. It doesn't matter. You know, if you come in and clean the dryer vent and boom, it's like, man, that was an easy job. 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is like the or it takes an hour or, or however long it took for that trouble one today. Like they're, yeah. they're calling you over to get something done. And what is that, that worth? Right. True. I think it's worth more than your time. You know? For sure. For sure. I think it that's is. so important. And I use this example in, in the book If you know, say you charge uh, by the hour, right? And when you first start out, you charge, let's pull a number out of thin air, 50 bucks an hour. Okay. And you go to replace a kitchen faucet. It takes you an hour, right? So you get 50 bucks for that job. This is just for all the, the people who are, are all for charging by the hour, which if that works for you, that works for you. But okay, Agreed. you make 50 bucks, you work an hour, right? But when you say three years down the road, you're still charging hourly, 50 bucks an hour. You go to replace that same kitchen faucet, you get it done in 30 minutes. So now you're only making $25 for that <laughs> same kitchen faucet. You as a seasoned professional, someone who has learned tricks of the trade, learned how to work quicker, learned how to work smarter, learned how to work more efficient, should get paid adequately for that job. So instead of instead of charging by the hour and only making 25 bucks off that same kitchen faucet because it took you a half an hour, you should charge 50 bucks for that kitchen faucet and make $50 in 30 minutes. You know, that, that's, the, that's the payment for the knowledge because there's only so much we could do with our hands, but at some point we need to start working with our mind. You know, Agreed. and that's really when it comes into play is we start, we start understanding how things work a little better. We start understanding how to do things quicker. And therefore we, we have the ability to make more money than we did at the very beginning. So love that. 
Love it. So yeah. have you kind of found the same things, Paul, in your business? I have, because like I said, I would want to charge a high rate per the hour. And another way I explain it to people when they're like, why do you not charge by the hour? Because the reason why I don't, because if I send Derek there and I'm paying Derek by the hour, what do you think he's going to do? Right. He's probably going to take his time. But if I pay him <laughs> by the job, I do pay my techs by the job too. Mm-hmm. They're going to go in there, hustle, make sure it's done right. So you don't have to call them back and fix it for free. Right. And move on to the next. That way you can go back and be with your family. Right. And we're fast. So another way I explain is, hey, we're fast. I've been doing this since I was a kid. I've been taking stuff apart. So has Derek. Victor's a retired Marine. He knows how to fix things. This is what we do. You're paying for the experience. We're not going to steal from your time or your family. I love it. And I love yeah. it. Just another, Back to family. Another, another slight coaching thing on that is, um, you know, you had mentioned earlier that sometimes it's hard to get your employees to recommend certain items. Uh, one thing yes. that you could do is cause you're paying them by the job, right? Um, yeah. you can give them a certain, uh, cut of that, that job that they recommend. So say if they recommend you know, walking around the exterior of the house, you could, you can have it built into their contract. They get 5% of that job, you know, yeah. additional on what they would. So that really encourages them to upsell more items or, uh, really take the role of, of wanting to help the client out more, you know, than just being, okay, I'm done with the job. I'm going to go home, you know? So that, that's just a little tidbit there. I have a question. So I I think this is an awesome, like this topic right here. So, uh, my question for Paul, if is how many employees do you have like right now? And you can, if you could kind of explain to you, you pay them like a percentage of the job, you just come up with like, I know that I'm going to pay you this for the job. Um, and then also, where'd you find your team? Like, how do you find like, cause it, I get the impression your guys are very reliable. Um, so if you can kind of talk about your team a bit and you know, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Right now I have six employees. There's Crystal who does my Facebook. She, I've been following her. She worked for another roofing company. And I've been following her for a while. She's always on Facebook. She's always there. And I said, I need to hire somebody like that. <laughs> and I would always say, I'm going to hire this girl. One day she's going to be working for me. Sure enough, I found her. Uh, so she also responds to my emails, all the website. I get so many leads from my website from Jason. She's Her job is to respond to them, email them, ask for pictures, schedule the job. So that's one employee. My technicians, I have Derek, who... I grew up with. We're from New Mexico. He's an awesome worker. He is very similar to me. He's, he's fast. He's been fixing things since he was a kid. He grew up in a town where you fix things. Um, so like I say, me and him have a background together that we grew up together. So he, he's been with me. He got hired on an accident because he had a landscaping business and was going through a bad divorce. And all of a sudden, I would have him work on Saturdays. And before you know, he actually told me, you know what? I think I'm going to start working for you. (laughs) I was like, okay, let's do it. And then uh, Victor is Derek's best friend. He's a retired Marine. He wanted to do it part-time. I would hire him when I needed him. Victor came on and he's been with me. He's already been at two Christmas parties. So he's been here two years. Um, Kevin is family. He's related to my wife. I did what a lot of people say you shouldn't do and hire family. (laughs) (laughs) He's young. He's 23. He's a great worker. I'm, I'm very, had a good, good experience with him. He has his issues when you're 23. He likes to party, <laughs> mm-hmm. but in the trades, 
you're gonna deal with that. So yeah, he and Patrick is another guy who I just hired. He's an older gentleman, an army guy. I love hiring veterans. They're the best workers I've had. Um, he was an apartment maintenance guy. So he got hired from a window guy. I refer work to his window guy, another contractor. And he's like, hey, I know you're looking for help. This guy came here looking for work. I think you should hire him. I called him in. I met him. I liked him. And I hired him to do dryer vent cleaning. Hmm. But that didn't work out. I, I found out that he's afraid of roofs. So you can't mm. clean dryer vents if you're afraid of roots. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so I made him a handyman. He's good at lights. He's good at plumbing. He's good at all this little stuff. Mm. So those are my basic employees. And they've so all got hired by themselves, honestly. Mm. How do you pay them? Do you pay them by the job? Are they W-2 employees or 1099? 10-99. And how do you pay them? I pay Derek by the job. Example, let's say that siding job, for example, I tell Derek or Victor, hey, if you get cash, I'll split it with you. So example, the siding job, we recocked the siding was 450. Victor came and brought me 250 bucks in cash and I gave him the other 250. If they give me cash, I'll cut it right in half. It might be crazy. I pay them good, but that's how I get them to keep hustling. Mm -hmm. If it's online, then it's a percentage. If they pay me with a credit card, if they pay me with a check, then it's usually a percentage. It's a flat rate. Whatever, to be honest, I feel the job is worth to them. So it's a fluctuating rate. It's not set. It's a fluctuating. Okay. Yeah. A technician working for me averages anywhere from 700 to 1200 a week. Right. That's okay. what they make. Not okay. an average. And that's, that's good money. That's more than I made doing air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. <laughs> Finding the best way to find employees is to ask the guys that you got that are top-notch sellers, top-notch workers. They're the, if you want a good worker, you need to ask your good worker to get his friends and reward him. Give him a thousand bucks. Be like, Hey, Derek, matter of fact, I didn't give Derek nothing, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I should, maybe I will now. Cause he got me Victor. Who's been with me for two years. You know what I mean? Right. Get your workers to find you good workers and bless them with some dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. best way to definitely. find workers definitely check their it. facebook number one is check their facebook yeah. i have been through so many interviews the first thing i do is i go to their facebook they got naked women on their boobs or smoking a joint dude they're deleted mm -hmm. i i will not hire them mm -hmm. right so. right i love it so so what are um let's hop into uh some of the things that i i'm very passionate about um so what are some of your goals for the next, like, say your goal in from one year from now, five years from now, and 10 years from now, what would you say are your, your goals for that? Well, uh, Paul, for sure. if you don't mind too, like on the front end, um, uh, like as far as like how you're quantifying the goals, like employees, revenue, whatever it may be, like, if you can kind of walk through too, like a little bit, like, you know, like your first year in business, kind of like how, how long you've been in business, where, where you're at now in revenue, and then looking at. Uh, yeah. looking at what you've got planned for the future, just to give people listening like an idea of like this, this journey. Cause you know, where you're at doesn't happen overnight, you know? Uh, Correct. And, and so it's been awesome to kind of be a witness to, to your journey, but if you could just kind of give a lay of the land a little bit on, on the whole goals, whether it's revenue employees, all that good stuff for anyone listening. Yeah. When I started off, it was part-time, you know, I did, the, I've been doing this for five years. <laughs> I've 
quit full-time last year during COVID. I quit in March. So when I started doing it part-time the first year, the first year in business, I made 144000 part-time. That's not profit. That's revenue. What yeah. I made. The second year, I made 176000 I was like, wow, this is amazing. I put all, almost half that money away. I put away in the bank. Mm-hmm. So when I quit the job, I already had 120000 in the bank ready mm-hmm. for when I quit now. Mm-hmm. It was ready for me to go work. What's wow. your, what was your profit margin those first couple of years? The first couple of years, I made 62000 the first year in the okay. bank. Okay. The second year, 68,000. It was around, around there. Okay. okay. About half. I, yeah. I, yeah. I pretty darn good. So now, I, now with PJP Handyman, we're making PJP Handyman is at, well, right now the total revenue is 426,000. That's what I make. Wow. Awesome. So like for, with, the, for this year? Yes. This year. Okay. Okay. Cool. With PJP Handyman, I'm at 250000 and Pro Dryer Van Cleaning, I'm at 176000 You see, with wow. two people with the Dryer Van Cleaning, I've almost caught up to my handyman business. So those are things I'm trying to fix now. Why, why is PJP Handyman not making as – or why is the Dryer Van Cleaning making so much and the handyman's kind of stagnant? Mm-hmm. Um, those are things, you know, you, you got to iron out your little issues. Mm-hmm. So I always try to profit. From the jobs I do, 50%. Like, mm-hmm. example, today I made 1200 bucks. I'm putting 600 bucks away. I put that in the bank. Does um, that include, when you say profit, does that include your comp, like your owner's compensation, like your, your, what you take from business and wages? Or yes, that like as a total, like wages plus my actual profit, it should, I want it to be 50%. Agree. It's that total. My total wage is everything. Mm-hmm. I always take it out. I read a book called Profit First. Following a book. lot of that. Yeah. It talks about taking your profit first. I, I always give, you know, like my tithe and everything, but your profit, it needs to come out. Automatically, I always take out 10%, guarantee no matter what. Every job, that goes to my profit account. And I have different accounts. It teaches you with different accounts. Mm. Growth, marketing, there's... Um, baby, I have a baby fund, you know, you want to have a baby. So I put money in there, truck fund. There's certain accounts that I have that I pull money out of the business to take care of my needs. Awesome. Yeah. And anyone listening like profit first, that's a game changer. Like I personally just implemented this year and I wish I did it like four years ago now. Uh, I mean, it's a game changer. Like it really, really is. Even at the most basic level of you have your main account. And then just create a profit account and 10% of everything goes right to that. And you just don't touch it. Um, but it yes. sounds like you, you, you've really followed the system and, and broken it down to what makes sense for you and take it very seriously. I know Alan um, is very big into uh, being what I guess it's being intentional with your money. Cause that's like mm-hmm. our, that's like our job. Like that is us being good stewards of what we're doing. Right. Is just, taking mm-hmm. good care and, and allocating it with intention like that, those funds. That's awesome that you break all that out. Yeah. Like what yeah. Dave Ramsey says, if you don't tell your money mm-hmm. where to go, it'll go wherever it wants and you won't know where the heck it goes. <laughs> yes. So mm-hmm. um, that's why it's important the, to take your profit. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think one thing that, that I'm really, uh, that I really admire you for uh, PJP is that, you know, your numbers from your first year, even though you were part-time, yeah. that's one thing yeah. that I slacked on my first year. And at the end of my first year, I'm like, 
I don't know how much I made, you know, but I got money in the bank, right? But I'm like, I don't know. So uh, that's one thing that I've widely introduced into my business and my coaching clients is tracking. You have Mm. to track your numbers Um, because if you don't track your numbers, you don't know where you've been and you don't know where you're going, you know? So so from that, the second part of the question, um, let's go ahead and go into some goals. Like where, where do you want your revenue to be? Or even how many employees do you want to have like a year from now or five years from now? I think that's a great yes, Definitely. And a year from now, I want to have another two employees. Okay. My 10-year goal, I need to be out of this picture. I am tired of doing so much. Sometimes you get worn out. Mm-hmm. So I know Alan Lee talked about it a lot about replacing you. So every year I want to replace another job title of mine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whether the dryer vent technician in two years, I am working on training guys to take over me doing dryer vents yes. because when the owners out there in the business, I am stealing from the business straight up because other technicians could be doing dryer vents. I could have another employee. I could be focused on giving estimates. I could mm-hmm. be focused on responding to stuff, putting out fires in my business. So one of my main goals is me getting out of the way in 10 years, I need to be out. This business needs to be running by itself because I can't sell the business without me. Unfortunately, if I try to sell it right now, it ain't worth nothing without me Mm -hmm. because I make the baby run Mm -hmm. without me. I mean, I guess you could still make some money, but I am really needed right now. And it's something that, you know, Alan talked about a lot. So I'm working on next year, getting rid of that dryer vent cleaning technician, Paul, and bringing in an outside guy to take over. You know what I mean? Love and, it. And getting it. Crystal, who answers my emails, answers, responds, does my estimates. She's ready to help. And I need to get her to start implementing the phone call. I'm, I've been working on that. She's She gets half the calls and the other half go to me. Mm-hmm. So that's another goal. But revenue, I want to be a millionaire. Just like yeah. I'm sure Ellen wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> the way I'm going to be a millionaire in 10 years is to bank a hundred grand every year in that bank, mm-hmm. put that money aside. Mm-hmm. So that's Definitely. another goal I have. I want to be a millionaire. I want to bring in a million dollars in PJP handyman and pro dryer van cleaning together. Mm. We're almost there. I mean, we're almost yeah. at half a million. You know, I, I love mean? it. I love it. Um, that, that's one thing that we talk about a lot and we teach we teach people a lot is when you think of your business, like some people might be listening and they might be like, well, I'm just starting out and I'm just one guy in a truck and I don't ever see how I could get to that point. You know, well, you have to your, your mind has to make this switch of like focusing on your business as it is now to where it is in 10 years. That's why it's so important to have those goals, because if you could think of this is where I want my business to be. I wrote a little note here. 10 years, Paul out, like (laughs) Paul is out, like that's it, he's out, you know, and Mm -hmm. when you have a concrete goal like that, you know what you're working to, and then you can just, you basically break it down, okay, I got 10 years to get to this, I got 10 years to get to a million, so what does that mean, I need to increase my business by X amount every single year until I get to that point, like it gives you some concrete stuff, so what what are the concrete steps that you think or that you foresee yourself taking in order to get to that 10-year goal or even the one-year goal? The one-year goal is for sure, like I said, getting rid of my responsibilities. I do too many things like every single business owner. Start hiring people 
even though it might hurt financially in the beginning, to take over my duties. That's the only way this business is going to flourish. Mm-hmm. I am really good at selling. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's something I need to do. So getting rid, getting rid of a lot of my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. That's number one. That's uh, I recently heard uh, uh, that a business owner's like biggest Achilles heel as far as growing is not being able to give up what you're good at. Like the owner will hang on, like I'm really good at selling, right? Paul, you're really yes. good at selling. But one of your biggest Achilles heels to actually grow in your business is at some point you're gonna have to give that up. And even though someone might not be as good as you, like you can train them, provide them systems to be pretty dang close. But mm-hmm. I just thought that was pretty insightful. Um, you know, giving yeah. up what we do well is really hard, but required to take it to that next level. Definitely. Yeah, it hurts. And trying to figure out how to do that in what steps, you know, I'm working on all that. And, you know, I follow in a lot of different businesses and seeing what they do, how they did it. But for one is having the personal assistants take over a lot more of those roles. And when she gets too busy and bombarded, she tells me, I bring in another one and mm-hmm. another one and just keep adding to the beast. Yeah. Make the system run without me. That's my 10 year goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm awesome. working towards it every single oh. day. Pull out. <laughs> Pull out. I'm sure Alan wants to be out. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I and I could totally attest to what you're saying is, you know, uh, fill people in on things that you're good for, good with. Like we just had we just had an employee leave. So I've been filling out, filling in a lot in the field uh, more than I usually do because I've my I've worked myself out of my job where now my job is to sit in the office every, all day or go out and meet with clients and write up estimates. That's my job. And I realized how much I actually miss working out in the field. Right. But it's so sometimes it gets very mundane sitting in the office, just writing estimates all day, but it's what's required to get me to that next level. You know, Um, it's what's required. Like, have you ever read the book, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber? Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that book is absolutely phenomenal. That helps you, you know, outline what your business organizational chart is and how to basically work yourself out of that, out of the business. Like that's the ultimate goal you know so right. absolutely phenomenal um what was another question i thought it was another question you wanted to hit oh and the reviews i think jason if you guys oh yeah so this actually let's let's cover this last so we got like another like five minutes here before yeah. we'll we'll shut it down um i mean we could probably go for like another like yeah. five hours <laughs> i feel like but uh yeah. so i wanted to i wanted to hear <laughs> from you like it like from the numbers you gave like with your revenue like you're growing at least like 40 percent, 50 percent per year um, yeah, yeah. So like what has worked well and what are you doing to like consistently bring business in, bring in leads? I know you're an awesome salesman. So what's really worked for you to uh, build up like the reputation you have, build up like the amount of leads, the amount of phone calls that you get, the website leads, all that stuff. Like what's worked? Um, I know you mentioned, you know, we talked yeah. about your uh, hustling on, you know, marketing hustle uh, with the the signs and meeting people. Uh, what else has really went into PJP Pro Dryer Event Strategy that has, you know, given you feel this growth? Yeah, I could tell you what didn't work in the beginning when you're first get started as a handyman. It's a good tip for guys that I didn't know. Everybody's gonna try to tell you and promise you all the work in the world. <laughs> Home Advisor, Yelp, print media, schools. I signed up with every school that called me. And the golf, the golf things, you know, where they put their card, you know, how many calls I got from those zero. (laughs) Yep. I feel for that golf one too. (laughs) I spent 
Like I spent 3,500 the first year on that. If I would have spent that on Facebook ads or Google ads, man, who knows where I'd be today. So be cure, be mindful where you get your leads from. Mm -hmm. um, if something sounds too good to be true, it's not, you know what I mean? Uh, what has helped me get leads? Jason, for sure. Um, he's my Google guy. He handles Google. He does my website. He's that guy. I just send him to the website. The other way I get my leads is Facebook. Believe it or not, 70% of my dry events come from Facebook, a Facebook post, posting in Facebook groups. Mm. I am always doing that. Did you know you can post up to nine Facebook groups with one post? Mm -hmm. You could share to a lot and bombard them. They might get a little upset, but that's okay. You're going to get work. You do they that in the beginning. respect your family. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I've had family bug me, but whatever. You got to get work. I have to feed my family. So Facebook has been key. Joining groups and posting, this is the way you're supposed to do it, on the allowed day. Put it on your calendar. Example me. Shirts, see below, post on Wednesday, 10 a.m., post. That's what Crystal does. Her job, she took that job from me, and now she's on Facebook all day. That's her job. Somebody looking for a handyman, hey, call PJP Handyman. Looking for a fence, she throws my name out there, including our customers. The other thing, every job that you go tear it up for in a good way, you go kick butt. You knock it out of the park. You know that customer loves you. They're raving fans. Ask them, hey, Mr. Uh, Jason, Jason Lee, Jason Lee, uh, Mr. <laughs> Jason, would you mind giving us a review on Google? Have you ever used Google? That's the key. No, I don't have a Gino account. Okay, no, no, don't do it. Go on Facebook, please, and give me a review. Have you used Yelp before? What's Yelp? I ain't asking them for a Yelp review if they've never used it. Yelp's going to hide it and throw it in the trash. Yeah. It's hard enough to get a Yelp review. I finally got a bad one out of all the 12 that I've had. But Yelp is a beast that is very hard to get reviews. Mm -hmm. So getting ranked on Yelp, on Google, that's my number one goal in the beginning. That was my goal. How do I get to the top? That whenever people are looking for handyman, we need to show up. And I told Jason that when in the beginning, I was like, hey, I want to be up here. In the beginning, he's like, well, it takes time. And we started building the beast. And now when you Google handyman, people call me from 45 minutes away. <laughs> I'm like, how did you find me? I just searched Google handyman. You had the best reviews. Yeah. You guys are like reviews. this. So PJP handyman has 193 Google reviews. <laughs> A hundred percent are five stars. One hundred percent of them are five stars. That's uh, amazing. That's amazing. On Google. Yeah. I, I have never seen a perfect 5.0 rating with over a hundred reviews. I've never yeah, seen Yeah, that's that amazing. Uh, so. I thank God because we've done, we've had our issues. We've lost money. We've had to pay for jobs. I've had workers show up drunk. <laughs> I mean, I've gone through all the stuff that contractors go through, but you got to follow up with them. Just, it's so easy. A lot of people I ask for a review and they say, oh yeah, sure, sure. They never do it. A follow-up email or a text. Hey, sir, Mr. Uh, Jason, would you please mind doing that review? It really helps me. Here's the word. Help you and find clients like, no. I say it helps me find good clients like you that right. want a good contractor that's not going to burn them and run with their money. Mm -hmm. Boom. 
that's how I got my reviews. I asked yeah. them, everybody's not going to give you a review. I hate to say it. They give reviews when you screw up. Mm-hmm. That's when they give a review. Or people that you never work for give you a bad review. That's how I got my first bad review. I never did a job for the lady. But yeah, she gave me a bad review. So, hmm. yeah. You get a bad review, squash it with positive. Every time I've gotten a bad review on Yelp, I've gotten some. It gets me angry to where I, it becomes my new job to squash that negative review with so much positive. I make that my job. Every client, I tell my workers, hey, go get me some reviews. I'll pay you 20 bucks. I pay my workers 20 bucks if they bring home a five-star review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christmas, Derek had 180 bucks. Victor had 40. That's money, dude. So. Yep. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, Pay your workers. I love it. I love it. I think that's so huge. And that's absolutely fantastic that you have that many reviews and they're all five stars. Like that's, that's a testament. So Jason, I think we're we're about going to be wrapping up here, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get Paul's, um, you know, the last, like, you know, giving advice or tips, what would you say to, um, I mean, there's lots of new businesses I know, like guys that are yes. thinking about starting. So let, let's focus on them because uh, I think the guys in business, probably if they've made it this far, they've gotten a ton of gold. So what would you say to uh, like new businesses, guys that are thinking about getting started? Like what would your like advice to them be? My advice would be to do what I did. Make, go knock it out of the park. Please those clients, be fair, do what you say you're going to do and don't take on too much work. Everybody says that. Don't take on what you don't know how to do and ask them for a review. Build your reviews up. That's how your business that's down here on the bottom, let's say PJP Handyman, let's just pretend I'm up here. You're down here right now because you just started. You need to start asking for reviews so your ratings can go up. So your Google Analytics, so Google can start pushing you more up and start bringing your business up to the top. Reviews is number one in the beginning and being on Facebook, having your wife, get your wife or girlfriend, whatever to post on Facebook for you. Pay her. Nobody likes doing stuff for free. You don't like going to houses for free. You don't like doing websites for free. You know what I mean? Nobody does pay somebody to do Facebook. If you don't have the time, if you do have time, you need to join every single neighborhood group as you can. And you need to focus on that and post what you do. Good. Don't, Focus, post what you're not good at. I'm not good at plumbing, to be honest. We're not even supposed to do plumbing here. So I don't really do plumbing. Sometimes I'll hire plumbers. So don't do what you can't do. And don't fall for all the lead scams. You'd be better off hiring somebody like Jason. He's reasonable. Get your website. That's going to make you look like you're already legit. You're way up top. Yeah. So. Awesome, yeah, that's a good tip. And save money, save, keep giving. If you're a Christian, you go to church, give to God and you watch. That's what I did. So anyway, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing all that, Paul. Um, Alan, you have anything to add? I mean, I'm personally like, I'm, yeah, I'm that was, uh, I mean, this was so awesome. I think, uh, I yes, hope that was. anyone listening has really gotten some value uh, you know, from, from Paul, I mean, Paul, thank you so much, man. Like you're, you dropped some serious, like, you know, gold nuggets here for anyone in like the handyman trade. So, um, truly, uh, it's, it's an honor. Like it's, it's so awesome to be here with you and for you to be able to share all that for the people listening. 
Yeah, ab- yeah. absolute gold. Uh, really appreciate you. I, I think just want to put it out there for all the listeners uh, that are listening. Uh, we have we are in in conjunction with starting this Handyman Success podcast. We are also starting up a mastermind group on Facebook called the Handyman Success Mastermind, and it it's really revolves around two things. It revolves around marketing and business growth. Um, that's really what we are focused on, and the whole goal is to help handyman and home service providers grow in those two aspects. Um, and obviously this is, this is just all a big conglomerate of doing this type of stuff that helps people just like you, whether you're starting out, whether you've been in business for five years, whether you've been in business for 10 years, uh, we can all really with the premise of, we all have something to learn from someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we've been in business a little bit longer than each other, but it doesn't mean that we, it, we have some, we, we definitely have something that we can learn from someone. So we are going to continue bringing on people like Paul, uh, people who are successful in their crafts. Um, they won't always be handyman. Uh, they might be contractors. They might be remodelers. Um, but we are just so excited to be launching this. So make sure that you go to Facebook. Um, check us out. We are the Handyman Success Mastermind Group on Facebook. Um, we will put a link in the description if you're watching this on YouTube or um, on Spotify or anything like that. So we'll make sure you get a link for that. But um, that would be my last thing to add. Do you guys have anything else to add? Mm-hmm. I'm all set. Yeah. Paul Pacheco with PJP Handyman, Pro Driver and Cleaning San Antonio. Uh, yeah. Thanks again for coming on, man. It's been an awesome time. I, I appreciate you all. And like I say, if an uh, ex-heroin act like me can do all this stuff, you can. Don't, right don't let your history destroy where you can go now. Hmm. Amen. It's possible, man. There's so much work. Go get it. I know Jace Allen Lee talks about there's so much work out there. Whatever. We can share it. I don't mind sharing with my competition. It, it's fine. There's plenty out there. We are a dying trade, to be honest. Kids don't go to high school and say, hey, I want to be a handyman. It's watching podcasts like this that make them say, hey, I can make this kind of money. Maybe mm-hmm. I should do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. One one huge gold nugget that I wanted to leave you all with was something that uh, Paul said, uh, reminded me, it's it's something that Simon Sinek says. Um, it says, don't be, don't, don't strive to be the best, but be, strive to be unique. Right. Mm. Like, I love what Paul's done, right? Like there's not very many dryer vent, you know, cleaners out there. There's not, you know, like how can you provide something that isn't being provided out there already? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very easy to be the best in your field, but it's a little bit harder to be unique. But if yes. you choose the unique route, you will make a whole heck of a lot more money and you will help a whole heck of a lot more people. So okay. don't strive to be the best, strive to be unique in what you're mm. doing. That's mm. interesting. Yep. That's I a love it. drop. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning <laughs> in. <laughs> hey, God bless guys.